0: You're listening to the Centre Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message, recorded live from our Brighton campus. During this month and next month, we're looking at the question, Who is God? Um, so that's a picture I took in Nepal. I didn't really take it. Um, it's a picture I found of Nepal in the, on the internet. Anyway, we're looking at the question, Who is God? And as Julian mentioned earlier, we're looking in life groups about some of the attributes of God. So we've already discussed like his natural attributes, things like omnipresence, omnipotence, all these difficult kind of words that we've kind of unpackaged a little bit. So if you missed that life group, um, speak to Julian and he'll fill you up in about it all. Um, And then this week in life group, we're going to be looking at righteousness. Um, Again, it's another one of those terms that we need to... Um, I feel like we often need to put legs on these terms that we kind of use about God, but maybe do we fully understand what's going on, or can we explain it to someone who's never heard this term before? So that's kind of what we're looking at in Life Group this week. Um, And on Sundays, we've started looking at some of the names of God. So if you were there at the um, Engage service last week, we were looking at the Lord as our shepherd. I'm glad I wrote that down. Um, and before that, Julian looked at the idea of God as our Father. And today, I'm going to look at this phrase or this understanding, the Lord will provide. So if you go to the next slide, we've got it, got it in Hebrew for all those who can read Hebrew, um, but I've translated it underneath, um, which is Yahweh Jireh or Yireh. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, the Lord will provide. And so in Genesis 22, this is where we sort of first encounter this phrase where Abraham's going up the mountain with his son Isaac. We we kind of read this story of Abraham ascending the mountain with his son Isaac, and he's about to offer him as a sacrifice to God. And Isaac was his only legitimate son and was the one through whom um, Abraham expected God to fulfill this promise that kind of the nations will be blessed through him and he'll, he'll have descendants um, greater than the number of stars in the sky, that, all these kinds of things. And so Isaac was the hope of the future, if you think of him a bit like that. Um, yet Abraham was willing to give up everything he had for God. So he's, he's ascending this mountain with, Abraham, his, with Isaac, his son. And so Abraham took his son up the mountain and then built this altar and Abraham's about to sacrifice his son on this altar, and then God stops him, which I'm pleased about. Um, and Abraham saw a ram caught in the bushes and sacrificed the ram rather than his son Isaac. And he called the place Yahweh Jireh, the Lord will provide. So that's where we first come across this this passage in Genesis twenty-two fourteen. It says, so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So I don't know about you. But maybe you've been in a situation where God's called you to give up things, perhaps to give up everything as we just briefly chatted through that story, you had um, Isaac as the son, who was the, the kind of the hope for the future. And Abraham's kind of asked to give that up, give up everything you hope for for the future. Maybe you've been in a situation where you felt God's calling you to give up everything. Or maybe you're heading up the mountain and you're worried about making that sacrifice, maybe you're kind of like taking those first steps. You're like, I know what's, I know if I carry on down this path, what I'm going to have to give up or what, what's kind of going to be my my future. And so I was, I was thinking about Abraham in this, and I was thinking, you know, maybe, maybe he just didn't go for it straight away. Maybe there was a bit of having an argument with God, perhaps. You know, maybe we do that. Maybe from time to time we go yeah, I know that's what you're telling me to do, God, but no, I'm not going to do it. Or I'm going to do it a little bit similar to what you say. You know, you might say go over here, but if I just kind of go over here, it's kind of, it's forward, but it's not in the same direction. Or or we kind of go, uh, not right now, because now's not really a good time for me. I know you've asked me and called me to do something, God, but I've got like, a mortgage to pay, I've got things to do, I've got pets, I've got children, I've got whatever it might be, this is not a good time for me to do this thing that you've called me to do. So I'm just gonna put it to one side and then maybe in the future it's gonna be a good time. Because, you know, sometimes God's not very good on his timing and he tells us to do things when they're not really that convenient. So, you know, maybe we'll just put it to one side and not really not really bothered about doing that. Right, now, or perhaps you try and find a way out of it. Perhaps you try and turn back. You know, God won't notice if I start going back down the mountain. Or maybe I can go up a little way and then just go around the side rather than up up the top. You know, God's not going to bother that much. I've made a step towards it and then I'm not going to actually do it. I'm not going to actually go through with what he wants me to go through with. Now, the thing I find interesting... About this story with Abraham is that Abraham went up the mountain without knowing how God was going to provide. When Isaac asked him about the lamb, because they would sacrifice a lamb in those days, Isaac said, Why are we not taking the lamb with us? Where's the lamb? kind of thing. And Abraham said, Oh, God's going to provide a lamb. But Abraham couldn't see up the mountain. He couldn't see the other side. He couldn't see whether there was going to be a a lamb or a ram caught up in the bushes that God was going to provide. He just went, God's told me to do this. I'm trusting in God. Let's go up the mountain and see what happens. It's almost as if he had faith that God was going to do something. Now, he didn't know what that was. He didn't know if it was going to be what he expected or what he hoped for. But he knew that he'd been called. He knew that God had told him to do something. And he went, I'm just going to trust you. I don't really know how it's going to go, how it's going to work out. But God, I'm going to trust you and make this step. I'm going to do this thing. So this morning, you might need to know that God's going to provide a lamb in your situation. Because when you're going up the mountain, when you're setting up the altar, When you're preparing the sacrifice and you can't see the lamb. You know, Abraham got all the way to the top, set up the altar, prepared it, was ready to sacrifice his son before he saw the lamb. God let him get right to the edge of that moment happening. And Abraham still trusted in God all the way. You know, when you are doing those things, when you're preparing the altar, when you're ready to give that sacrifice, you need to trust That God's going to provide a lamb. That God is a God who can provide. How do we know that God's a God who provided, who will provide? Because He provided then. The passage says, even now, that place is, it said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. To this day. It's not like, it's not said, on the mountain of the Lord, it was provided one time and never again. Even to this day, it said on the mountain of the Lord, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. You see, when God calls you to do something, you better know that he's going to provide what you need to do it. He makes provisions. That's part of who he is. That's part of his nature. Have you ever heard the phrase before, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called? You ever heard that phrase? God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the call, the called. See, whatever it is God's calling you to do, whatever that looks like, whatever step that may be, he's going to equip you to do it. So in other words, the call is to climb the mountain, take that step, set up the altar, because God will provide a lamb. And that's the faith that Abraham had to have. God's going to provide a lamb. I don't know how. I don't know whether lambs often went up the mountain, whether that was their general route or whether that was something that was a bit odd, a bit weird, a bit strange. I don't imagine that they went up to the top of the mountain very often. Um, probably nice views up there, but um, don't know. But God will provide a lamb. Now, the thing is, I don't know what what it is, what needs you have in your life, what areas you have that need God's provision. You know, there's a whole kind of list of things that need God's provision. It can be finance. That's often a big one. It can be, you know, for things like housing. It can be for putting food on the table. It can be for all sorts of different things. It can be for health reasons. But I do know that in Philippians 4, verse 19, Paul the Apostle says to us that God will supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, let's take notice of that for a second. It doesn't say, God's going to provide some of your needs and it doesn't say God's going to provide all your wants but it does say God's going to provide all your needs I do find it interesting to know that God doesn't provide everything I want He doesn't provide everything I think that I need nor does he provide only some of what I need, but he does indeed provide all my needs. I'm reminded of um, of when I was a child um, on holiday with my parents. Didn't go on my own when I was a child, um, and we—I can't remember what country we went to, um, but it was somewhere abroad. And the I'd kind of worked out the exchange rate in my head and kind of knew, you know, what the prices of different things were, and. Lo and behold, Game Boy Advance, no, Game Boy Colours were cheaper in that country than they were at home. So there we go. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted my thumbs on the little pads and play Game Boys. Because I didn't have a Game Boy and my friends had Game Boys. And this was something that I needed. And so they were cheaper than they were at home. And both me and my brother needed one each, obviously. Um, So, we nagged our parents, like, so much, like, this is, I remember this so vividly because I don't think I've ever nagged my parents more about something, and they kept saying no at every possible turn, but they eventually gave in, and when I say eventually, like, eventually gave in after, like, three or four days of constant nagging, and that's past every shop, look at the price, they're just such good prices, like, these Game Boy's, Wow, that's an amazing price for a Game Boy. Can't, Dad, can you not see how cheap that Game Boy is there? Like, it's just such good value. We could even sell it when we get back and make profit off it. Like This is just makes such good sense from a business perspective. We should buy 10 and sell them to all my friends. Like This is a business deal of the century kind of thing. So they gave in and they said they would buy us one between us. And that was it for the rest of the holiday. We couldn't have anything else because that was literally the budget. We'd be buying bread from the supermarket and, and jam and having that for our lunch. And we wouldn't be going to any restaurants and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I was a little bit older than my brother. And I kind of realized the gravity of this situation that they really couldn't afford it. Like as much as I thought they were a good, good value, it didn't matter whether these Game Boys were, were on like, for a good price They couldn't actually afford whatever price it was. And so I thought about it and I said to my brother, we don't really need a Game Boy. We can kind of get away with not having one. And I explained that we literally couldn't have anything for the rest of the holiday and it was going to be really hard and that mum and dad would be upset with us for forcing them to do this kind of thing and all that. So in the end, we said... No, we, don't, we won't have one. Um, we, we'd love to have a Game Boy, but we won't, we won't have one because of all the problems and issues that it's going to cause. So in the end, we didn't get one. I've never had a Game Boy. I kind of want one, um, but they're too expensive over here. I have to go to, abroad. Anyway, sometimes we treat God's provision as I treated my parents, We pray for everything that we want and we list the things that we believe that we need. You know, God, I really need a new car, but it's got to be this particular brand. And it's got to have, it's got to have air conditioning, leather seats, heated leather seats. Um, You know, this kind of, we kind of start listing, oh, we, we definitely need this, or I definitely need it to be like that. Um, I need a few extra square feet on the on the flat that I bought. In fact, no house that I that I rent and uh, an ensuite and another bathroom as well for guests. Obviously, um, because I'm so hospitable, so I'm going to have guests over. And, and I know, Lord, you want me to have guests over, so you know it's part of hospitality. I need to have this extra bathroom, or you know, whatever it might be. We can we can have this kind of shopping list with God, because. We feel like he should provide everything that we want. But that's not what the verse says. It says he'll provide all our needs. Not all our whims, not all our desires, not everything that we could possibly want. In, there's a verse in um, Nehemiah, chapter 9, verse 15, which is a bit of a recap of the story of the Israelites in the desert from Exodus 16. And, and it says this. It says, in their hunger... You gave them bread from heaven, and in their thirst, you brought them um, water from the rock. you told them to go to go in and take possession of the land you'd sworn them. So you, yeah, you'd sworn with uplifted hand to give them. Now, you'll have to read it again because I said it's so garbled. but anyway, let's notice that God provides for the needs of the Israelites. They needed food, and He gave it to them. And they call, they called it manna from heaven. They were like, manna means what is it? Like they didn't know what it was, but they could make it into some kind of bread type stuff, and they it was it was all right. It was what they needed. They needed water, and he provided it. They needed protection as they went to take the land, and he protected them. Abraham needed an animal, and God provided. See, provision is going to look different. In every situation, but well, it's always going to look like provision. I know sometimes um, when we think about provision, we're often thinking about the now. We're thinking about God providing now in this situation that I'm in. Um, perhaps financial, like I said before, or an immediate need, or maybe it's to do with health and healing, or you know, maybe it's some kind of uh, mental thing as well and security and comfort on, you know, mental health needs or could be anything like that. But I know, um, I, the way that I've experienced God's provision most, I would say probably in my life, um, is financially. And so one of the big stories that I, that I have is about how God provided for me whilst I was in Bible college. Um, I, when I was sort of nineteen, I went off to university and got a normal a normal degree um, in now popular music and recording. Um, and so that was that was my degree kind of done. I had my student loan and everything was sort of done and sorted. and then I felt a call to um, go to Bible college and train for for ministry, like later a little bit later in life. And so if you know anything about the system, you can't have one student loan and then another one for the same level of study. It doesn't really work like that. So I had to go to Bible College and finance it myself. Um, it was it was one of those steps where I'm like, did all the budgets. I couldn't really figure out how it was going to work. But I knew I could raise enough to start the course. And I knew that the um, the university I was with would provide a bursary for me for my final year but I had sort of a year and three quarters worth to pay for and find the money for and so I went into it a little bit like I'm not really sure how I'm going to find the money for it and if it all falls apart I can just leave what's going to happen it's not going to be the end of the world if I just leave so that was my thought I went along with it and thought okay let's go let's see what happens and I have so many stories and situations in which God provided. One time I went to the bursar's office, I really had nothing and and came back to my um to my room and someone had put a note in my Bible with a hundred pounds and you know, a little encouraging note in there that, you know, reminding me that God's gonna provide and these little little things like that, but the main kind of way that I that I got through this course um, was God providing financially through a bunch of work that I didn't expect I was going to get through. Um, I ended up doing freelance video work. I ended up recording albums for um, different bands and organizations and this kind of thing. Um, I ended up drumming most weekends. Um, which almost killed me, like, just, it was so busy, um, so tiring. But God provided a way for me to finance this course that I felt that he'd called, called me onto. And it wasn't easy, but I remember having a chat with the principal as I, was, um, as I was thinking about maybe can I change my course. I was having this chat with him about halfway through. I was like, you know, I've done enough credits now convert to a master's course and just because I've got this degree already so I can convert it round, and then the bursary can go towards the master's and then I don't have to pay anything else and I can get a master's at the end of it and I thought well, that's, that seems like a good plan and um, the principal said well you could do that but we won't give you any money for the bursary if you were to do a master's course I was like "But well, why not I thought you were Thought you were kind of investing in me as a as a person and not just the course I was on and all this kind of stuff. And he said, Well, if you find your own way kind of to work the system around it, then who's gonna say that in the future when you need to trust in God's provision, that you're gonna know how to do that? He said there may be a point down the down the line when you need to know that God provides. You need to have experienced that in your life. And he said, at this point now, I'm trusting with you that God's going to provide for this, for this course. And so I want to pray with you. I want to stand with you in that. I want to believe with you that God's going to provide. And in the end, God did. And I ended up having enough left over to, after paying for my whole course, I ended up buying a, buying a car once I'd finished. Um, so you know I managed um, but this story of provision is not simply an end in itself it gave me the faith to know that God will provide that same faith that Abraham had that I don't know what's gonna be up the mountain don't know what's you know I might have got to the top of that mountain and God's provided but there's a bigger mountain in front of me I don't know what's gonna be up that one but I know that God will provide because he said he's going to provide, and because I've experienced it. And we talk about a God who never changes, stays the same, it says in the Bible, yesterday, today, and forever. So we know that he who has provided in the past will provide in the future. If that's part of who he is, if that's part of his nature, then we know that to be true. Even now I know that my future is in God's hands, and As as those of you who were there last week heard, and I'm sure most people know, I'll be moving into a different role in the church here, and I know that God will provide all my needs. I don't need to worry about the future, and we don't need to worry about the future. I've seen his provision in the past, and I know that I will see his provision in the future as I step into that. And I believe that for each one of us as well. God provides for us in the now and in the present. But there's also this idea of God providing in the not yet, in the future. And so, how many of us know that God's provision is not just for this life? There's a hope, there's a future. Sometimes we find ourselves asking God for things this side of eternity. You ever thought about it in in those terms? Like, sometimes God says, not yet. Maybe, I think often one is is with healing. You know, healing is, is a fantastic testimony of God providing something for us and healing us. But there comes a point In everyone's life where we do pass away and I think even in um, names escaped me Lazarus in Lazarus life Lazarus dies and Jesus raises him back to life again but he's not around now like he died again like sometimes we we think about healing and, and this kind of thing Lazarus was dead Jesus raised him to life, but he still died again. Like he still there was still an ultimate kind of end to his time and, and sometimes God can heal us and give us that healing and, and that can be a great testimony of, of what he's done and how he's you know, saved our, our life or, or whatever it is, but there's still a finality to each one of our lives. And that's and it's a tough thought to think about, but it's it is true, isn't it? See, he's provided an ultimate way for us. When we talk about his provision, we can talk about healing and finance and all these sorts of things, which are fantastic. But ultimately, we talk about his salvation, freedom from sin and death and restoration of a relationship with him. That's where his provision is ultimately. The Bible says he's made a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland He's given us his spirit to live inside of us, to guide us and direct us, and he's given us a hope and a future. He's promised us an eternity in his presence for all who believe. And so God's got a plan. God's got an ultimate plan, a rescue plan, to save us, to set us free, to make things right, to make the whole world right, to bring the whole world to himself. And his provision for us is now, but it's also not yet. There's also a future element to to it as well. There's a future hope, and we cling to that hope, don't we? And God, who's provided in the past and provides in the present, will provide in the future. And so when we hope in his salvation and we hope for the future and we hope for eternity, how can we know that that's true? Because God never changes. And so if God's provided in the past and he provides for us now in the present and says he's going to provide a hope, a future, in eternity, then he's going to provide it. Because that's part of his nature. That's his character. And we can know and experience God's provision in so many ways in our own lives. And, you know, I've given you a little bit of my own story in that, but I'm sure there's many of us who've got elements of our own stories and and we're still building those stories aren't aren't we you know i don't want to live off that story of when i was in bible college for the next 30 years i don't want to still be telling that story i want you know a bigger story of god's provision i want to be able to step up to the next level of of knowing god's providing for me in my life and so the joy of god's provision is in the provision of his son who died to set us free from sin and death and bring us back into that covenant relationship with God so that through Jesus we may live now and through Jesus we may know eternity with God when Jesus spoke to Mrs Atwell that's what I call her um, in John 14, the woman at the well she was you get that one, it's a slow burner um, <laughs> She was looking um, for water to quench her thirst. She was looking for water to quench her thirst now, right? But Jesus said, he talks about the water of eternity, he talks about the living water that means she'd never thirst again. You know, I've got some, I've gone over my time and I've got some more kind of things that I wanted to share Um which I I'll leave for, for today, but I wanted to talk about three things that as we as we look up that mountain that God might be calling us to sacrifice. You know, it may be it maybe He calls us to sacrifice our time. You may be someone who can use your time to build God's kingdom. Now, I don't know what that's going like, to look like, but for some of us, we have the gift of time, don't we? We have um, I'm not talking about like people who sell clocks and watches. Um, some of us have time on our hands, um, especially after cooking. Sorry, I'm going off on jokes. it's just jokes, after jokes, here. Some of us have time that we can offer, and you may be someone who can use their time to build God's kingdom, and maybe God's calling you to use that. Others of us, we may have to sacrifice our talents. We may have to lay our talents before God and say, God, use these for your purposes. You know, certain areas of gifting that only you are good at and only you are able to do this particular job or that particular job or whatever it may be. And God's saying, use that to build my kingdom. You know, he might be saying, I know you've not got a load of time. I know you've got not got a load of money, but I've gifted you with this talent. Or he might be saying, You know, I know you've not got a lot of money or you might not be gifted at doing a load of stuff, but you've got time. You know, you can spend time with people. And the third one might be our treasure. You may have finances that God's calling you to sow into his kingdom. And he may be saying, I know you've not got a load of time. You're really busy. There's not a lot of of need that you can You can't like build something for someone or that you're not that kind of person. You can't, but I've, I've given you, I've given you finance. I've given you, um, treasure in that sense. And maybe God's saying, sow that into my kingdom so that those with the talents and the time can use what they've got and the whole thing can work together. I don't know which of those categories fits you, but I'm sure that you would know in your own heart and in your own mind which is the one or or the combination of those that that fit who you are best. Let's know for sure that God's calling us to trust him in that. Just that the verse that came to mind was in Malachi 3.10 that says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. He says, test me in this. He'll open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessing so there won't be enough room to store it. In other words, he's the God who provides. When we're going up that mountain, know that he's going to provide when we're sacrificing that thing, when we're giving up our time, our talents, our treasure, know that he's going to provide. And what you have now, I don't know if you know this, was provided by him. And so what we have is his anyway. So there's no scenario in which he can't replenish it. He can't fill us back up. He can't rebuild what he already gave us in the first place. Who provided Isaac in the first place when Abraham trusted God? Was it Abraham or was it God? It was God. God provided a son for Abraham and God provided a sacrifice. God called Abraham. He said, give up everything I've given to you. And at that point, God provided something as a sacrifice to stand in the way. The Bible says that the Lord, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So know that you can't outgive God in whatever area it may be. And I don't want you to just think finance, because often when we think about giving, we just think finance. But we can't give out we can't outgive God in whatever area it is. He is our provider. He will supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So I don't know if we could maybe stand together. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.